The scramble to stay in the Premier League took a few twists and turns last weekend as Leeds and Watford won, but there were defeats for Everton, Burnley and Norwich. Nobody's been cut adrift quite yet and it looks like three from five at the wrong end of the table. After all of their lavish spending and their Champions League winning managers, could Everton actually tumble into the Championship? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Plenty of lavish spending when it came to assembling our top team of tipsters, not least the skipper Marco Hare. That bet cave does not pay for itself. Uh, Mark, Norwich, Watford and Burnley all currently odds on to be relegated on the exchange, I notice. I know this discussion slightly affected by the fact that Everton play Newcastle on Thursday night and at time of recording, we don't know how that's going to play out. But how much trouble are Everton and Leeds still in? Or do you think that the teams below them are so bad that they're going to get away with it? Yeah, good question. Um, I think all five are bad, um, really, really bad. And I think it kind of tells its own story when Watford have, you know, I think stayed in the sort of bottom six despite kind of going on a, a decent little pet spell of results, winning at Southampton and Villa and not really moving anywhere really because these teams, Burnley had a decent little little run recently too, but slipped back into it. Um, yeah, the, the bottom six are dreadful and uh, there's no getting away from it. So I don't really want to rule anyone out of it, um, but it's hard to sort of pin down anyone. Norwich are obviously the... The hot favourites to go down 1.03 on the exchange, and it's it, it does look like it's unlikely now for them to sort of turn things around. But there are plenty of games to do so. But yeah, I mean, you could talk about Burnley and their inability to beat the teams around them, which has been a problem. With Wakehorse, who's um, not really stepped up since his injury, um, you know, his form has, has been quite ineffectual recently. Maxwell Cornet as well, he's been dogged by injury, and you, know, you feel like Burnley need those two to be at their best to, to sort of fire them. Uh, to safety because they're not winning enough matches uh, and scoring goals has been an issue throughout the whole season. Hard to know what to make of Watford. Uh, they've got a puncher's chance, obviously, but that home form is appalling and they have to play a lot of their relegation rivals at Vicarage Road. So, you know, if they can make improvements there, then perhaps there is an opportunity for them to to turn the corner. Kucha Hernandez is doing his best anyway. I think he scored or assisted their last four goals now in the Premier League. But yeah, I mean, Leeds, I think, will be fine. I keep saying I think they will be fine because... These players coming back, Bamford started last week, which is great. Cooper and Phillips, uh, we're told, are, are potentially in the squad um, for the Friday night game against Wolves. Um, they won't start, but to have them back before, after the international break alongside Bamford will be a, a huge boost to them. Um, don't have the easiest of run-ins and obviously played more games than their rivals, which leaves us with Everton, who are in a similar sort of position. They have played more fewer games than their rivals, but I, I think at the moment, not knowing the score against Newcastle... Um, they're the ones that sort of stand out of the prices. Worst run ever at this stage of a Premier League season or season in the top flight, full stop. Worst team in the Premier League since October's international break. Eight points from the last 19. 15 defeats in that sample. Just dreadful. Um, defensively appalling. Four clean sheets all season. Going forward, averaging 1.08 goals per game. Calvert-Lewin's issues haven't helped, um, I know, but you know they've conjured up a, an XG total of 1.7 across their last four league games. Uh, now, that's not down to any particular striker or, or a player not being able to, to finish his opportunities. They're, that's not creating opportunities. So, dreadful in both boxes. Uh, they've still got to play five of the top six. Um, their away record is absolutely appalling as well. So, 
you know, Thursday night is enormous and it obviously will change the market accordingly depending on what they do. But at the moment, they're the big concern. And um, I think at some point soon, we have to start treating Everton not just on Everton's name and their tradition, but actually on what we're seeing on the field, which is effectively the worst Premier League team since October's international break. And there's a question even about what that tradition is, because it's been a long time since they were uh, at the top end challenging for trophies. Uh, the data doctor is in. Jake Oscarthorpe from Infogol has been making those poor XG robots watch the worst teams in the league over and over again. Uh, Jake, Jamie Carragher said recently he felt that Everton's players had been a disgrace this season. Regardless of what happens on Thursday against Newcastle, is he right about that? Um, to some extent, yeah. I think it's a little bit harsh. I think I think under Rafa at the start of the season, they were looking like a really solid team, actually, Everton, through six, seven, eight games. Um, injuries didn't help around that time. Lost the likes of Calvert-Lewin, Decore, Allen, uh, Richarlison was gone for a while. Um, and then, you know, I think... A bad run of form, bad performances with a bad bunch of players um, without your star players in there ultimately led to Rafa being sacked. And then the issue they had now is, or then, who did they replace Rafa with? Um, and, you know, I was very surprised that Everton fans were clamouring for Frank Lampard. Don't see what he'd done to warrant being linked with any other job. He should have just hung his managerial boots up there and then finished because I do think he's that bad. Um, he was fortunate with Derby to get anything... You know, he had unbelievable players in the championship. It's something we've discussed a while while back. Uh, And he's taken over an Everton team that were admittedly already bad and made them worse, to put it bluntly. Um, You know, I did the digging on the XG side of things. Um, And prior to his arrival, Everton ranked as the 10th best team on expected goals for per game, the 14th best on expected goals against per game and the 12th best on expected points per game. Since he's taken over, I know we're, we're talking small samples, but he has overseen six Premier League games before the Newcastle match on Thursday. They rank as the worst team on expected goals for per game, the third worst team on expected goals against per game, and the second worst team on expected points per game. So the, the performances have just absolutely nosedived under Lampard. There seems to be no plan, no structure. They've gone from a sort of a more defensive-minded shape under Rafa Benitez to trying to play a high press. I mean, how do you do that mid-season when you're in the middle of a relegation battle? I've no idea. Um, and that's probably what's confusing the players. But ultimately, they are in major trouble. And if they do lose to Newcastle on, uh, on Thursday, then I think we will see them move into um, into these sort of nearly 50% mark on the Infocom model for relegation. Currently, they're at 31.1% before uh, for relegation before the game against Newcastle. We have Norwich as good as down, around 99%. Um, Watford, we have at 82% because of their running uh, and how badly we rate them. And then it is a toss-up between the other three. Burnley are at 44.6% currently, so they're our favourites to to go down. Um, and obviously that's because of the, the, the sort of position they're in. They're, they're a couple of points behind. Um, and also their running's not great. Uh, they've obviously got quite a few of the better teams and, and the big games that they have against teams around them are away from home. So they've got to go to Norwich and they've got to go to Watford rather than having them to play at Turf Moor. Um, and Everton's running, as as Mark said, is, is looking really, really bad. Leeds is also a, a bit of a struggle. Um, but there is a feeling that against the teams outside of the big six, Leeds are competitive enough to pick up enough points. Um you know, we saw that against Leicester, didn't we? They were really good against Leicester. Really unfortunate not to get a, a, a result. They were poor against Villa, admittedly, but did what we expected, which was beat Norwich. Um, and they've, you know, they've got enough games, I think, 
Brighton, Brentford, Crystal Palace, Watford, Southampton, to be able to get enough points. I'm quite confident Leeds will stay up. Um, Everton are, are a serious concern, given the sort of trajectory they're heading. Everton are going to win 6-0 now, aren't they? Against Probably, Lampard. yeah. That makes yeah. look utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Viva Frank Lampard. Yeah. Odds compiler. Well, he needs to hang up his boots, apparently. Get out, Lampard, you rubbish. Odds compiler. <laughs> and I, I was quite surprised by Jake's uh, ferocity uh, with that comment. But there we go. That's what we like to see. Uh, proper feelings. Odds compiler and master of the sustainable edge. Mark Stinchcombe is with us. Stinch has a similar view on Claudio Ranieri, as it turns out. Uh, Stinch leads got a vital and dramatic 2-1 win over Norwich last weekend, which included uh, a save with goalkeeper Ilan Melier's face uh, right at the end, which is always good to see. Uh, you want to take a look at their game against Wolves on Friday night? Yeah, obviously a slim Prem card this weekend, but I just feel with Wolves at 23-20, to 20, I think they're the wrong side of evens. I think there's a lot of arguments to be made that Wolves should be odds on here. Um, obviously, small sample size of Jesse Marsh's uh, matches so far, um, and I was really impressed with them. Um, I watched the, the whole game against Norwich. I was really impressed with them first half. They created a lot of good chances. Um, first goal, um, don't think it's a coincidence, even though I think he was technically offside, but first goal came from Bamford making a run in behind and then they picked up the second ball and and scored from that Um, but second half after Bamford went off and then Rodrigo went off after an hour they I don't know if it's probably not tactics but probably just with confidence and and the crowd maybe getting a bit edgy, but they kind of maybe fell into themselves a little bit and started to allow Norwich to dictate a little bit and create some, some decent chances. And, you know, when you're, when you're in a relegation 6.0, it's absolutely shocking game management to be conceded in the 91st minute. And then even after they, even after they took the lead through Gelhart, they conceded another chance in like the 95th minute, I think it was, which came from a, came from a Tim Krul assist uh, as Tim Krul had gone up for a corner and then um, recycled the ball so yeah absolutely I think absolutely shocking in in that regard so my point basically is there's they're still giving up chances and I think with the continuation of Bamford and Rodrigo maybe not being fully fit I mean Rodrigo's um, not completed more than an hour under Jesse Marsh's three games Um, no Calvin Phillips no Liam Cooper I think Wolves will get opportunities against this Leeds team and if you look at the the prices that Wolves have gone off this season at Molyneux, they're six to five v Leicester, four to five v Newcastle, and five to six v Brentford. And I kind of describe as Leeds uh, this season as something similar to those sides. So I feel like um, you know they should be somewhere between that four to five and six to five mark. And I think with their absences or not having fully fit players, I think they Wolves should probably be odds on. Um, and I looked at Leeds against the top eight this season. I picked the top eight, not because Wolves are eighth, but you look at there's a 10-point gap between eighth and ninth. So I think we can kind of say that the top eight are probably going to finish as the top eight. Obviously, that order is yet to be decided, but I think that's pretty solidified. Um, you look at Leeds' performances there, 1-1, drawn 1, lost 10, scored 12, conceded 43. But then if you exclude, that's probably you know a, bit, a little bit unfair to include the likes of Liverpool, and Man City when, you, when you're when you analysing Leeds against the likes of Wolves and West Ham. So if you exclude the top three and look at Leeds against fourth to eighth, it's still only one win, one draw and six defeats. Scored 10, conceded 24. So again, yeah, I just feel, as I say, Wolves at 23 to 20. I think they're the, the wrong side of, uh, of evens and should be odds on. 
Now, do you feel that an unfair moment has cost you a winning bet? Well, let Dimitar Varbatov know. You see what we've done. He's called Dimitar Berbatov, but we've used VAR to call him Varbatov. It's wonderful, groundbreaking PR stuff. So, let Dimitar Varbatov know about your footballing injustice and you could get your bet paid out. Imagine that. Send any examples over the weekend to at Betfair on social media using the hashtag VARBATOV and the former Spurs and Manchester United striker will make his ruling. And this is not a joke. There are loads of examples of people who've had their bets paid out and quite significant ones as well. Arsenal's excellent run of Premier League form was brought to a shuddering standstill by Liverpool on Wednesday night as the Reds boosted their title hopes with a 2-0 win at the Emirates. The Gunners hope to bounce back on Saturday amid a flurry of Mikel Arteta moaning about the fixture list as they visit a dangerous Aston Villa. Jake Arsenal, the 2.44 favourites here. They had their moments against Liverpool. I thought they were ever so good against Leicester last weekend. But the question is, what will Wednesday's defeat have done to them? Um, I don't think it'll have done too much, to be fair. I, I think nowadays, the way in which Liverpool and Manchester City are playing, the numbers, underlying numbers they're putting up, it's normal to lose to them week in, week out. And it wouldn't be a surprise to see the pair of them sort of win out for the rest of the season. So I don't think it'll be um, too too much of a sort of burden for Arsenal. They were on a good run of form, undoubtedly, and that's come to an end. But, um, you know, they've gone from one really tough game to another because Aston Villa are looking real threat under Steven Gerrard. And, um, but my angle for this is, is sort of opposing goals. I do think it'd be quite a low-scoring game looking at the underlying numbers and, and particularly the way in which Arsenal set up away from home. Um, start with Villa because they have looked dangerous going forward. Coutinho's looked fantastic. Um, but since Steven Gerrard took over, they've only averaged 1.18 expected goals for per game, which is actually the sixth worst in the Premier League during that time. But on the flip side of that, their average of 1.3 expected goals against is the sixth best in that time. So we've got a, a Villa team that are sort of, they're not as creative as what the, the eye test would suggest. They don't carve out the big chances at the rate um, we would expect. But defensively, they have looked fairly tight. And, um, and while Arsenal were well beaten by Liverpool, if we look at their away form, away XG process, just the raw figures, it doesn't look very promising at all. I think they're allowing nearly 1.8 expected goals against per game. But I think half of their total of that XG has actually come in matches against Manchester City, Liverpool and Manchester United away from home. Um, so if we take those games away, they're allowing just 1.28 expected goals against per game against teams outside of that traditional big six. So very solid at the back, uh, Arsenal, uh, and going forward around 1.5 expected goals for per game. So they're not as potent as when they play at the Emirates. So all of that for me adds up to what could be a potentially low scoring game. You factor in the potential tiredness of Arsenal as well, having played on Wednesday though. I don't know what Mikel Arteta is complaining about. I mean, in a season where Arsenal haven't got any European football, he's still found a way to complain about the fixture list. Um, so yeah, that's under- a very kind of Pep Guardiola inspired rant, I thought. I thought that's a guy who's hung out a lot uh, with Pep Guardiola because the whole uh, thank you very much to the Premier League, that's exactly the kind of thing Guardiola would have said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is. You're professional footballers. Playing, you used to play Thursday, Sunday for the last two or three years, playing the Europa League. What's the difference between a Wednesday, Saturday? But anyway, um, yeah, ultimately, I do think it's going to be quite a cagey game, quite a low-scoring game. I think both teams will be wary of the attacking talent that the other has. Um, under two and a half goals was around odds against. That did interest me, but I just thought for a bit of extra security, taking the under 2.75 goal, uh, goal line at 1.88, 
just look like a bet. If, if there's two goals or fewer, we get a full payout. If there's exactly three goals, we get a half loss. Um, and if there's four or more goals, which I think is really unlikely, uh, we end up with a, a full loss. But yeah, it's going to be a competitive game, that. It's going to be one of Arsenal's most difficult from now to the end of the season. And, you know, we're talking about relegation odds and percentage chances. And Arsenal's, uh, they're in the driving seat currently, aren't they, for the top four. We give them a 60% chance of finishing the top four. And I think a win at Villa would uh, definitely see that percentage increase. Now, I don't know if you could hear it at home, but Jake's dog was giving us an Eredivisie treble there. I don't know if you speak <laughs> dog, but I'll try and get the translation for you uh, later on in the show. Let's switch our attention to Germany. Mark, Borussia Mönchengladbach, who are dreadful, are the favourites here going to Bochum on Friday night. I cannot for the life of me work out why because Borkham have been pretty good at home Gladbach yes they beat an awful hair to Berlin last weekend but I'm not sure whoever carved out this market has watched Gladbach play much recently <laughs> yeah completely agree uh, Gladbach are too short but you know confusingly there's been money for them this week as well which um it's hard to hard to work out why, really. I think um, this is a team who's drastically underperformed, are far from trustworthy, particularly away from home, as favourites as well in a really trappy game on a Friday night. It's um, yeah, it's it's a hard one to work out. Clearly, Gladbach have the better players, the bigger budget, the the sort of bigger ambitions of a club, but um, they're in a real more divas. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, if you've seen the reports of, from Germany this week about what's been going on behind the scenes, uh, Christoph Kramer getting name-checked a few times for um, basically being a, a naughty boy, really, and not giving Adi Hütter the respect he deserves as a head coach. But there we are. But yeah, I mean, they've, they've won three times in 14 since mid-November. You mentioned last week's win against Hertha. You know, just discount that. Hertha are a joke at the moment, so irrelevant, really. Three clean sheets all season, two wins from 13 on their travels. Just not really the sort of numbers that fill you with confidence to back a team as favourites away from home. Uh, they failed to keep a clean sheet away. Their last away trip, they started well, but just a, a huge kind of example of their fragility uh, and mental kind of issues at the minute to, to end, end up losing that match at Stuttgart 3-2. Uh, yeah, so just uh, Elvedi's out injured. Uh, I know last Stindl's come back and that's a, a bit of a bonus for them, but yeah, just a, a massively underperforming team going towards a, a Bochum team who have really sort of consolidated since a, an unsteady start following promotion. Um, eight wins, four draws, seven defeats since October's international break. Seems okay, but five of those seven defeats were away from home at the Ruhrstadion. Uh, three defeats since promotion, just 12 goals conceded. They've won seven of those matches, scored twice or more seven times, beat Bayern not long ago, uh, only lost 1-0 to Leipzig and put up a decent fist of things then. Now they're underdogs, I just have to get them on side in some way. So I did a little bit, bit, bit more digging um, since October's international break, which I mentioned there. If you look at expected goals, non-penalty XG, and even expected points, Bochum are higher in the rankings than Gladbach. And it's the same over four, eight, 12 and 16 game splits. If you break down, break down those splits into you know, 4, 8, 12 and 16 games, Bochum are posting a, a positive XG process in all four. Gladbach are posting a negative XG process in all four. Yet we're getting about 1.92 on the exchange on Bochum plus a quarter on Friday night. So um, obviously we're making money if they avoid defeats. They've lost three of 13, as I said, at home. Gladbach have won twice in 13 when playing away. And even if XG isn't your kind of bag of things and you prefer to look at other sort of other metrics, 
Goal difference is always quite a handy barometer when looking at a league table, just to see how unlucky or lucky teams have been. Ockham, minus nine, but if we take that 19-game sample since the international break, they're plus four. Uh, a 7-0 thrashing at Bayern earlier in the season kind of just ruined that, that goal difference. Gladbach, minus 15, away from home, minus 17. So um, I just think uh, the wrong team of Favs here and happy to kind of get them on side of a, a quarter-goal start. Couldn't agree more. Rock bottom, Greuther Furt up against Freiburg. Stinch, I nearly fell off the chair when I saw that over two and a half goals was 1.85 on the exchange. Yeah, I thought that looked really nice, to be fair. Um, like, to be fair, I thought that maybe Freiburg were worth a bet at uh, four to six, um, considering, you know, they're having such an amazing season. I mean, fifth, level on points with Leipzig for fourth place in Champions League football, just one point behind third place Leverkusen. And, you know, we've only got eight games to go. That's that's fantastic. Um and I think we all know about foot struggles this season, bottom of the league with just three wins and, and 11 points adrift of safety. You know, it looks like a very quick return to, to Bundesliga 2. But I th- that's not that bad considering they lost 13 of their first 14 games. And since then, they've, they've avoided defeat in seven of the last 12. So I kind of felt after looking at that, that the, the Freiburg 4-6 to six was about right. Um, so you kind of stole my thunder. Yes, over two and a half goals, I think. <laughs> I think I think I think it's really nice. I think basically the reason the price is like seemingly high is because probably the market still has foot as what they were for the first half of the season. This very very poor abject outfit that weren't contributing very much in the attacking sense, but now they are contributing a lot more in the attacking sense while still being very porous at the back. So I think it works quite well in in this case. Um, I mean, 17 of their last 22 games have gone over 2.5 goals and 11 of Freiburg's last 17. But if you look a bit deeper in similar matchups, so when Furt have faced the top 10, and I excluded Bayern and Dortmund in this because obviously they're they are like juggernauts, if you like. Nine of foot, 11 went over 2.5. And then when you look at Freiburg against the bottom eight, 11 of their 14 went over 2.5. So when you consider the fact that Bundesliga this season is averaging 3.11 goals per game, if you use that as like a blanket uh, goal expectancy, you'd have um, odds of four to six on over 2.5. So yeah, the 1.85 on over 2.5 goals, I think represents a good bet. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. To the EFL, Jake has a selection for us. Yeah, just uh, one game and uh, and one price caught my eye, really, when looking through the card, and that was MK Dons to win at Cambridge. Um, Cambridge are comfortably mid-table. They're not going to go down this season, but they are overperforming based on the underlying metrics. <clears throat> they should be about 18th, 19th based on expected points, um, and their attack has, has run for all season at less than one expected goal for per game. So um, they're a little bit flattered. They've had a, a decent home record this season, but it's MK Don's away record that really clinched it for me because they've won 11 of 19, um, including four of the last five, and those four have come against... Wickham, Sunderland, Rotherham and Charlton. So apart from Charlton, the other three are all currently in the in the top seven, top eight. So they're all coming away at really good teams. Um, and they're still in with a chance of automatic promotion, our MK Dons. So I think they're, they're three points behind Wigan, but we're going to have a couple of games in hand. Only seven points behind league leaders Rotherham. So there is a realistic chance that they could end up going up automatically. Um, and 
defense has been the sort of foundation of, of their success. They've averaged just 0.9 expected goals against per game this season. And I do think that there is a big gulf between these two teams and a bigger gulf than the, the price suggests. I think we're getting MK Dons around 1.95 on the exchange. Uh, I think they should be a little bit close to about 1.85. So happy to weigh in on that one. Uh, by the way, that dog-based Eredivisie treble uh, was uh, Ajax, PSV and Twente uh, to all wins. A bit unimaginative, but, you know, still Very, worth yeah. having a look. I'm glad um, you, you could translate that. All I heard was go away postman. So, Oh, well, go away postman was the start and then the treble oh, came I see. through. Right. So, you know. uh, and go ahead, this. Eagles. No, no. <laughs> Dead against go-ahead Eagles for some reason. Don't know why, but really just oppose, oppose, which I'm surprised at because uh, go-ahead Eagles beat Ajax recently. But there you go. We've all got different views. Finally, to the Swiss Super League and a favourite haunts of Mark O'Hare. Yeah, um, I should have heeded my own warning last week uh, about uh, St. Gallen when they went to FC Zurich. Um, I mentioned there might be complacency in the Zurich camp, but also that St. Gallen have been on a, a fantastic run of form themselves since the winter break, and they absolutely took Zurich apart in their own backyard. They won the game 3-0, but absolutely dominated every sort of strand of the game from the first whistle, really. Uh, generated almost 2.5 expected goals, gave away very little as well. So it wasn't a fluke, and they have been trending in that direction for much of this calendar year. Unbeaten now in eight games, they've won five of those, scoring 23 goals. Uh, they've scored twice more in seven of eight, and they've taken eight points from four games uh, against the top four as well. Uh, and actually, if you just look at the top three, the big three, Zurich, Basel and Young Boys, they've scored eight goals in three games uh, against the best defences in the league. So really, really impressive stuff. Um, in those eight games, they're boasting a 68% expected goals ratio, and they're actually averaging 1.36 XG more than our opposition on a per game basis. So really, really impressive stuff. Generating 2.6 XG per game, taking almost 11 and a half shots from inside the penalty area per game. And they've created 29 big chances in that eight game streak, which is eight more than the next best in the league and double the league average during that eight game spell. So pretty mesmerizing stuff, uh, really impressive going forward. Not so much defensively, which would always be a concern with St. Gallen, but they're playing second from bottom Luzerne on Saturday. Um, Luzerne themselves have kind of picked up a little bit since the winter break, they've kind of clawed their way away from the uh, automatic relegation place. But defensively, too, they've, they're susceptible to decent attacks. Just three clean sheets all season, none of which have come away from home, conceding 1.85 goals per game away. Uh, in nine of their 13 away days, they conceded at least 1.5 XG, and they're boasting a, a negative supremacy record in terms of XG over the last eight as well. So tough task for them to stop the St. Gallen team at the moment. Um, I'm going to take St. Gallen to score over one and a half goals, which is trading at 1.8, slightly shorter than them to win the win the match. But um, Luzerne have got a handy knack of sort of picking up points here and there when they're kind of uh, written off, really. But uh, at the moment, I think the home team are good enough to score two goals, possibly more in this match. So I think 1.8 is fair enough. Sounds good to me. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast Treble, a betting feature so revered that 80s movie classic Big Trouble in Little China was originally called Big Treble in Little China, and the script had Kurt Russell trying to make it as a pro-gambler with one of the big Asian syndicates. Unsurprisingly, that script was thrown out, and then we got the wonderful piece of filmmaking that replaced it. How this works is each of the guys come up with their own selection from the weekend's action, and our delightful traders wrap those up in a boosted treble. I'm going to start with in for goals, Jake Oscarthorpe. What have you got for us, Jake? Um, 
I'll throw MK Dons in there. I'm quite confident that they'll do a job at Cambridge. So, um, yeah, I think around 17 to 20 on the sports book. So it's a nice price to get us started. Stinch, what have you got? Yeah, I'll do the same as Jake and go with a bet already posted with Wolves at 23 to 20 because I think they should be odds on and Leeds' records and lack of players against the, the big teams has seen them suffer this season. This is nice and chunky so far. Mark, take us home. Uh, I'll take both teams to score in Italy on Sunday. Empoli against Elas Verona. Um, neither team has kept a clean sheet this season, whether playing at home or away. So uh, I think both teams like to attack and get forward. It's got goals all over it for me. So fingers crossed for both teams to oblige. Tremendous stuff. Good luck to everyone. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Of course, it's the conclusion of the Cheltenham Festival on Friday, Gold Cup Day. If you're listening to the show on Thursday afternoon or Friday morning, check out the great preview content on betting.betfair.com. If not, well, I hope you had some winners. From Stinch, from Mark, from Jake and from me, it's goodbye for now.